With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? This is Noah Kinsey. And Jonesy. And you're listening to the UFR Podcast. Roll it. Everybody and welcome to episode 56 of Upon Further Review. Ow, 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 ow. Today we're going to be talking about that 1974 Mel Brooks classic, Young Frankenstein. I'm really excited about this. Yeah? I'm really excited. Like on a scale of 1 to 10? 10. Really? Almost 11. Damn. I'm excited. Damn, boy. Uh, so what did you think of this? Have you seen it before? What are your thoughts? So I've watched a lot of Mel Brooks movies. Uh-huh. But I have not seen Blazing Saddles. Okay. And I have not seen this particular what? movie. What? So this is my first time watching wow. it. Wow. What'd you think? Uh, I passed out the oh. first 30 minutes of it. And then I had to rewatch it twice just to finish it. Really? I did. Wow. I did. It's tough, too, because I'm a, I like Mel Brooks movies, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I'm a fan. Well, like, what ones are you a fan of? Because you haven't seen Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. which are, like, um, the ones he's most known for. Right. And when I got introduced to Bla- to uh, Mel Brooks, it was mainly with um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. My favorite, but that's right. way more goofy. Way more Right. Spoofy. So I did. And, well, and the funny part is the pacing's different. Oh, totally. Obviously. Um, what else? Uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Awesome. With Leslie Nielsen. And um, Spaceballs. Those were the main ones that I got introduced to him with. Yeah, those are very different than his earlier stuff. And that's when I kind of found out, um, especially watching Young Frankenstein, Uh right? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Frodrick. so I don't know, man. It was it was tough for me to kind of get through. I think wow. for me it was mainly because of the pacing. Okay. Now now understand this. Like I'm not a huge and you know what, guys out in podcast land, if you guys hear this, don't give me shit. Or you know what, fuck you, give me shit, whatever. <laughs> um, I'm not a big fan of the Monty Pythons either. Okay, I can't get. I, like I can't the show get into better those. than the movies. I don't even. My friends, you know, my friends are all like, "Oh my god, you don't like Monty Python? You're absolutely ridiculous." I'm like, I like a lot of things. I just the 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 timing and the pacing within that it just doesn't sit very well sure. with me. The closest like European style humor that I can watch is like the Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, you know those types of movies. The Granado pacing trilogy. The pacing's totally different. Sure, I cannot get into British type of humor. To me, though, Mel Brooks in all of his excitement, um, the pacing was just too slow for me. Knowing what, well, what you're used to the fast pace of the other of three the other that you mentioned. stuff that I did because yeah. those are like jokes on top of jokes. On exactly, top of references. and the story moves really flawlessly. Yeah, you know, like it's like boom, 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 boom. Uh-huh. This one, you know, they're long sweeping sequences. You know, the whole classroom scene. Though I will tell you. I thought they were constructed really well. Uh-huh. Um, I 
I enjoyed watching them from what they were. I just felt I'm like I'm waiting for them to get to the next point. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but it sounds like you fucking uh, love this movie. I do. If that had dick, it'd be in your mouth right now. Pretty much. Sweet. What is it about this movie that you like so much? You know it'd be a big one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Although I did, I did like the punchline up at the very end of this yeah. movie because I love a good dick joke. Yeah. Oh, Probably there was reason. two. There was yeah. some good stuff there, but and I enjoyed that because that was quintessential, you know, uh, Mel Brooks style for me. Just I think the pacing was the thing that fucked me over. Sure, and if you're used to those other movies, for sure, this is different. Yeah, and I think because I own the the Blu-ray, the Mel Brooks collection, which uh-huh. sadly has everything but Dracula Dead and Living It, which makes me sad. Cause I love that <laughs> one. So stupid, but so fun. Um, so you can see all the slower pace, the history of the world, part one. High anxiety, uh, the something chairs, seven chairs. I don't really remember what that's called, but that was based on an old fable. Um, a lot of blazing saddles, a lot of slower paced stuff. Young Frankenstein is really like you can start to see his segue, his transition into the stuff that you're gotcha. But for me, I love it. Like, I love to me, I wrote down perfect. And the reason that I say that is just because it mirrors so much Mary Shelley's Frankenstein story. Right. It kind of is just that parallel uh-huh. where it's like he gets to the progression of his grandfather, you know, so it kind of mirrors him having Igor or Igor right. um, having the assistant and having just the townspeople and the constable and everybody all against him and raising up. And it's just it mirrors that story. But in more of a spoof tongue-in-cheek well, I mean, kind Mel Brooks of is ultimately the first spoof guy. He's the one that actually constructed a story around spoof. Right. Like, and you miss that with, like, Meet the Spartans and uh, Superhero Movie a and Haunted all House stuff, and all those Wayne Brothers movies. Where it's just, like, movies. they wrote the gags and they're like, I guess I need to write a script around it instead. Uh-huh. Because, really, yeah, Mel Brooks was kind of the grandfather of that where it's like, it needs a story. And you can see that in the the police squad and then... Naked Guns and stuff like right. that. And Airplane. You can see a lot of the Mel Brooks influences on those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just – it's – all of the characters I feel are perfect in what they're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, they're all spoofs of those archetypes. Totally. In a way that still felt like an original story. Right. Yeah. I One of the biggest strengths I find of this entire movie, in my opinion, was the characters themselves. Yeah, I don't feel like there was a weak character at all. No. Not, I mean, all the way up to Franken, Frankenstein and... Frankenstein's you know, monster. Yeah. Well, thank you. Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> um, Abby know, Normal. All those, you know, all those characters were individual and they all just kind of fit into a world. And that that's something that I ultimately loved about the movie uh-huh. because you're curious to see how they were going to react. I mean, the, uh, the police chief hilarious. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what? Like, what? <laughs> huh? And then he slowly says it like that type of stuff is really funny. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and the character is just so good. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for me as a writer, like creating those types of weird, quirky, characters is something that I would love to throw into my own like worlds if you will per se Um, but at the same time I find that some of the things lingered 
huh. within the jokes for too long. I mean, Gene Wilder's like the king of the awkward pause. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the comedic timing that he has. He has, that his he has cadence, very He specific. really, really does. The, the hard part for me, I think, is that I'm not a huge Gene Wilder fan. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not a very huge Gene Wilder fan. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just sometimes I feel like he's just. Well, he's very specific. Right. So, like, I feel you. If you don't like him, it's hard to grab onto a movie he stars in because he makes it his. It's just like if you're not a Russell Brand fan, you watch a movie with Russell Brand as the star, you probably won't like it because he is Russell Brand Uh for better or for worse in everything he does. Right. Well, I think for me, it wasn't some – I mean I like his characterizations and things like that. Just there's some of the performances, at least in this particular movie, I just didn't believe. Gotcha. And I yeah, they were a little larger than life at certain right, points. and to a point where like I understand you want to make this funny because I get it; it's supposed to be slapstick and spoofy and all that type of stuff. But there was moments where it wanted to be serious, but yet they pushed it too far over to where there was just times I just didn't believe certain things, you okay. know. And I was That's like, Ugh, "Damn it!" You know, or when he's like yelling about certain things, uh-huh. he he just yells a lot. Yeah, he does yell. A he lot. yells a lot. I'm just like, why would you, why are you yelling? Take it easy there, dude. Yeah. You know, but that's my own. Sure. You no, know, that's my own opinion. And I think on that, that was supposed, that was his little nuggets to, uh, or little breadcrumbs that lead up to, uh, him being the mad scientist. Uh-huh. Cause he has those moments of like yelling because I'm at any scientist. movie he's in, he's yelling. Right. But I'm saying for this, I feel like the reason that he did it was to be like, there's potential for him to go from Frankenstein to Frankenstein uh-huh. and just becoming the mad scientist, going from the right. very logical, very like dismissive of his family legacy mm-hmm. to then fully embracing it. Um, I love Madeline Kahn. I love her in everything. Madeline she was Kahn, the, the, which she was that? his fiance. Yes. She's a hilarious. She's wonderful in everything. And she was so funny. In this, that, that whole scene, the whole the hair. Yeah, not the hair. Yeah, the nails, the nails, the nails. Every, literally everything. Yeah, I I love those. I mean, the thing that Mel Brooks does extremely well is he plays these little scenes so beautifully um, because they do. They all feel like stage, like stage performances, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so it's almost like a like a vaudevillian type of stage act yeah especially you know we get introduced to his fiance or his financier (laughs) um and him you know before he leaves on the train like that whole that whole moment was just hilarious yeah and it also plants in your mind that you rooting for him and his assistant to get together because they're really not right for each other him and madeline Kahn, right really aren't right for each other she just he wants to be affectionate she wants nothing of it right and so it's like now there's this gorgeous assistant who like Nice knockers. Oh, thank you, doctor. Uh-huh. Um, but see, though, that moment right there, that's what I'm saying. Like, some of those little key, like, jokes, you know, like, they're knocking on the door. And uh, he goes, nice knockers. And she goes, oh, thank you. I was just like, my wife and I both were like, really? I thought that's funny. Really? That? All right. Okay, Mel Brooks. I'll give you that freebie. <laughs> and the werewolf. Yeah. Their wolf. Their castle. Yeah. See? Why are you talking like that? I thought that's how we were talking. Right. Yeah, little things like that. Or but you the, also, if you notice, you also have a signature uh, Millbrook's gag of the walk this way. Like there's that in Robin Hood Men in Tights where it's like mm-hmm. walk this way and then they all like swish for the for the Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh-huh. They'll do the swish and then just prance away. Had it here when 
Igor picks him up from the train station. Right, which they almost the, cut, by the way. gives him the cane. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they were going to cut that out, but... Um, in an early screening that Mel Brooks did with an audience, they laughed so they laughed at it. So he's like, "All right, I guess I'll just keep it in there." Uh-huh. So that was a scene that was actually going to get kicked out. Interesting. I thought so too. Yeah, um, I could take it or leave it. I mean, it's just signature him. Yeah, because like he has that in a lot of his stuff where he just thinks like, "Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it." So uh, I'm going to add it to like everything. So I thought that was interesting because I didn't really notice it the first time I saw it. You know what I always thought was I was uh, just like Hitchcock. He always makes a cameo in most of his uh-huh. in all of his movies. This particular one is one that he doesn't make a cameo in. I was going to say I didn't see him at all. Yeah, and I was paying attention to because I know that in the other movies he's always in them. You know, he has a part yep. for himself or whatever. But uh, I guess Gene Wilder told him that he doesn't. He said, "If I were, we're going to make this movie, you cannot have a part in it because it'll take away from the illusion of the Frankenstein and all really? that type of stuff." Well, because he's such a big character, right? And they kind of played it off of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Where would he have fit in, you know, into that overall type of that atmosphere? So uh, Mel Brooks said, "All right, fine, whatever." But he also made audible cameos so like the cat that gets stuck by the the dart and things uh, like like those are his nice. little voices he's like damn it gene doing. i'm gonna be in this i'm gonna be in this somehow so i thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> um yeah the scenes i think are really fun my favorite character out of everybody was the was the chief of police and the uh and igor those two are hilarious to me the other thing too that i thought was oh, really aerosmith cool. was they came up with the walk this way song based on that scene from young frankenstein did they really yeah that's pretty fucking funny um the uh the frauer blue that lady i thought was awesome clarice leachman yeah dude like i was like what i've seen that lady in so many other movies she's so young in this one but um i thought her character was really funny too um but I, i mean I I get it. I understand it. Is it to me? I don't know if it's a perfect fucking movie though. I don't. I think I think it is when it comes to like a script because uh-huh. the characters were all archetypes for Mary Shelley, but yet weren't just there to just necessarily provide jokes uh-huh. or just be the archetypes. Like they all were functional within the story, um, which I think is. In a lot of spoof movies, you just have those people because it's like, oh, yeah, because in the real version, they're such and such. Uh-huh. This way, it's like, no, they actually serve a purpose. They do something. I love that they generate electricity from a kite. Yeah. I thought that was. That's pretty funny. Pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, even like, you know, the Frau Bruja, um, <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, she was the one to get Dr. Frankenstein downstairs. Mm-hmm. She enticed him with the music and all the stuff to get him down there. You know? Yes. 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 So uh, I love her. I mean, from lingering. a plot to plot point. Yes. Plot wise, I think it, you know, again, character, plot, things like that, I thought did pretty decently. I think the hard part for me is like Frankenstein horrors type genre stuff. I don't really care too much about. Sure. You know, I've seen tons of remakes of Frankenstein and all that stuff. To be honest with you, I like Frankenstein as a character. I mean, I've read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein yeah. and well, all those types of th- yeah. stuff. You know, which she wrote when she was sixteen. Oh wow! Yeah, she did it for a contest and ended up killing it. And that stood the at test sixteen. Of time. Yeah, and I, you know, and way to make me not feel accomplished. <laughs> 
Um, but to me, you know, watching this movie, maybe it was just my mindset coming in. Cause I was just like, okay, another fucking Frankenstein movie. And that's all it really felt like. And I don't know because of the jokes, they started kind of falling flat. But as I, as I really think about the mo- the movie, there are moments that are funny. There are moments that I think are humorous. You didn't like that. Not really. What? Oh, that kills I didn't me every really... time. I didn't care. Zuba, zuba. Uh-uh. You don't like that? It's I, it's not so much that I don't like it. It just it, it doesn't do give me. For no, you. it doesn't really. You know. Interesting. I don't know, man. I don't know. Sorry, dude. No, that's fine. Uh, one thing interesting is Madeline Kahn and Terry Gar actually auditioned for the other parts. Like, for the opposite roles. Oh, that's pretty funny. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, granted, they casted it much better. Like yeah, the way totally, it was. Totally. Terry Gar was. Gorgeous back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. She I was, was like, whoa. I, I looked her up. I looked her up to what she looks like now. I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. And not like a hubba hubba wow. Like a honk honk wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. One thing I didn't realize until watching it this time was I did not know. And I've seen this a dozen times at uh-huh. least. I didn't know Gene Hackman was a blind guy. For some reason, I didn't recognize him the first oh, time dude, I saw Oh, dude, I caught him right away. Yeah, but this okay. time I'm like, wait a second. I thought it was really funny. That... His espresso line was uh, improvised. Uh-huh. They, That's why they, they did the blackout the, so fast because yeah, so everyone was laughing. Yeah, I, I heard about that. I thought that was pretty interesting, too. One thing I want to mention is, like, how how long was uh, Frankenstein dead before they found the body? Because when they opened up the casket, he was, like, skeleton. So I'm like, damn, he just died. I don't think so. Well, I mean, did they, they did ba- show they did show the the sign right like when he first comes down into the cellar. It says like ten year old or yeah. five year olds dead five years, dead three years, dead one year. But I mean, Frankenstein himself, right? So my assumption is, if we look at dead, he was and how dead the faces were on there. Maybe five. You know, interesting though, why would they wait that long to bring him the inheritance? I wonder. Uh I don't know, actually. I don't know. There was a there was a whole scene. There was a whole scene that they had with the other people that were getting the inheritance of Frankenstein uh-huh. and um Dr. Frankenstein, and they uh they cut that whole part out. They did a whole scene with uh with all that that might explain some of that stuff. But they Mel Brooks didn't feel that he was that it, it was necessary, no. so they kind of kept it, was it out. It's good to be concise this way because it makes him more like it helps with him being reluctant. Like Yeah, but I mean even still to your question though, I don't mean it doesn't really who cares? Who cares how long yeah. in between? I don't know. That's not really the point. All uh-huh. we know is that they just gotta He's get dead. there. He's dead. My question I guess would be like why now? Right. Right? Yeah. Like well why all of a sudden? Yeah. Because the town's been quiet and somebody needs to stir up this, some shit. All right. Well, I the only thing that. I didn't necessarily know is why was he coming to the castle? They didn't really necessarily make it clear. I would assume to sort out all the things, but uh-huh. they never necessarily clarified. It just seems like he got everything. Yeah. They're like, you have a fucking castle. Yeah. With all the people that work here but for they, you. But it wasn't really clear whether he was moving there or whether he was just going there to pick, pick up some stuff because... He got an assistant where I'm like, why does well, he Well, the assistant, an assistant was already bought or already hired before, yeah. remember? Because Igor picked her up. But yeah, exactly. So it's like there it wasn't really clear why he would need an assistant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just to kind of keep it 
to canon. I don't know. Well, for sure. But I mean, for this narratively, it's like my, yeah, it just he's seems not expecting like... to do experiments or he doesn't. Well, and know. that's the interesting thing. I think for me too, like the arc of the character, he was so against it in the very beginning and he's transitioned so quickly into Frank, Dr. Frankenstein. Well, when he saw it was possible, he is a scientist. And when he found, thought it might be possible to, to bring a man back to life and to have, to have that power. Uh-huh. And he was just like, why not? Why yeah. Not I mean, to me, it just, it was too quick of a, of a transition. You know I mean? It's obviously a movie is an hour and a half or whatever. So right. you got, you got to move rather quickly, but that opening scene, when you first get introduced him, he's so angry. He's yeah. like, no, it's not Stabs pos- himself with yeah, the scalpel. Basically he's that frustrated over, which I like the, I like how they're already kind of making him seem crazy in that moment himself. Obviously he stabs himself, right? Like he's already kind of a mad scientist when he has all of his conviction. But at the same time, I feel like it was like, oh, the books say it can be done. All of a sudden, everything that he just screamed out to the high heavens was wrong. And he was easily his ego was completely like, all right, well, let's try it out. You I don't know. know I, I feel like his his ego is the reason that he tried it out in the first place. He's, he's like, I can achieve what my grandfather did or at least tried to do. Yeah, I trust me. I get that. But I just I don't you know. Just didn't if, buy it. I didn't buy Which it. Which is fine. I mean, part of having a spoof is it constantly is winking at you. <laughs> yeah, this one is very much like there was a moment and then it was like wink. Well, all of them have to. I mean, spoof movies really have to be like I mean, not as once again, like meet the Spartans and superhero movie where it's like looking at the camera because in this movie, blah blah blah. Like instead uh. it's kinda like you know what we're talking about, right? You know, there's always that self-awareness of giving the audience a second to, like, remember what they're referring to. Because mm-hmm. you just have that in spoof. So for so with spoof movies, I don't grade them the same way I do our serious movies. Uh-huh. Because, you know, they're not. They're, they're, yeah, in, they're, they're, they're just intentionally, to be fun. yeah, comedy, they're intentionally there. But I liked, I thought it was a really good story that was a parallel with Mary Shelley's story. Mm. Um, and I love his way of showing, trying to appease the people by showing that it's a gentle creature, you know? And I love mm. that the way that they showed Frankenstein's monster to not be evil, like playing with the little kid, you know, even spending time with the blind guy and putting up with his, I love when he was pouring him the soup right into his lap. Mm. You know, and then breaking his glass and things like that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So I just, I thought, I don't know. I thought it hit all the beats that it was supposed to hit for that story. Um, but it, I do agree that it's it's uh, not as quite fast paced as Mel Brooks' later films. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, actually, I've watched Spaceballs like 30 times. And the last time I watched it, I didn't laugh at all because I felt like there was too many jokey jokes that i've heard before so it's like the punchlines well after 30 times dude no i know yeah and that's it but i feel like with this one because there was an actual story this is one that i could watch often because it's not just constantly like searching for the joke to then do like like see that's where i disagree man i feel like this whole movie that's what it was this whole movie was them fishing for jokes just to get that like that quick laugh in. You you feel like the script is written around jokes? Oh yeah. Oh, see, I don't think that at all. I mean, e- easy enough with the knockers joke. I mean, like, 
things like that happen throughout the entire film, uh-huh. you know? And to me, those are kind of like one of those things that you're like, you're calling those things out. Oh, nice knockers. <laughs> Look at the camera. Ha ha ha. You're supposed to laugh your laugh track or whatever. Right. But I don't feel like the script was built around that. I feel like that that came like, okay, now we're in front of the castle. We're moving. What's a joke we can say that we're here. Yeah. I don't, I don't think know. it was written like a, you know, those movies that I referenced before where it's like, like in Meet the Spartans, they just had like Shrek babies for no reason whatsoever because you're supposed to be like, ha ha ha, Shrek. But there's no there's no story around that to even give it sort of context. It's like Family Guy where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, something random I wasn't expecting. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, like pop culture reference, pop culture reference, pop culture reference and no story whatsoever. I feel like there was a through line with this that had those elements and it didn't feel like. They're like, okay, we came up with this joke. Now, what is a line that can justify getting to it? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean, well, I see what you mean. I don't know. I don't know if... Uh... Like, I f- it feels like it was more written. Here is the sequence of scenes that mirrors the Mary Shelley's story. Now, what are jokes we can say in these? Like, let's look around the environment. What are things that we could reference that could have, like, Mel Brooksian type of humor. Mm. And I feel like that's how it was. Those jokes were constructed, like the throwaway jokes. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, I get, like I said, I get what you're saying with like constructing the jokes uh, and then putting the story with jokes. I just feel that there was a lot of those little like kitschy. Yeah, but that's ones, Mel Brooks. You know? That's what he does. That's, yeah. that's that little dude. That Me. little guy. Um, but other than that, I thought cinematography was great. It was great. Classic monster movie type cinematography. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the music. Yeah. Um, I thought they did really well with both celebrating and spoofing that genre. Mm -hmm. You know, I loved it was in black and white. I thought that added a interesting element. Yeah. They have it colorized, but I refuse to watch that version because this is how it's supposed to be made. Mm -hmm. So I want to watch it. How it's supposed to be made. I want to see, I don't want to see colorized stuff unless it's supposed to be. Personally. Well, I guess my assumption is Mel Brooks had to okay it. Well, yeah, but that was later down the road. He uh-huh. actually had to fight for this to be in black and white. Really? Yeah. But he got the studio to finally agree upon it. Well. Because I think it adds. I mean, it's what is a classic monster movie if it's not black and white? Yeah, totally. You know, so it's very important. And I'm glad that he fought for that. And, right. you know, he's he's fought for a lot of his stuff, you know, and uh, he's had a great relationship with Gene Wilder with all those movies. I didn't realize uh-huh. until I watched this when I looked at the credits as Gene Wilder came up with a story with Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Like, While they were on Blazing Saddles. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I got to learn a lot of history about how the this stuff was made. Like even the Dr. Frankenstein's lab, laboratory, uh-huh. um, they actually brought in the set decorator from the original oh, Frankenstein. Cool. So they so basically Mel Brooks kind of worked a deal to be like, let me let me rent all this old stuff from you. So he came in and let That's him awesome. they reset it up from the original Frankenstein. That is so so cool. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, little things like that, you know, how movies get made and shit, it's kind of neat and basically you know the how the story came about they were on the set of um 
the Blazing, Blazing Saddles, Saddles the last couple of weeks or whatever. And uh, Gene Wilder came up to Mel Brooks and said, "Hey, I got a, I got an idea for a movie, and um, you know, it's basically we could we could do the quintessential." horror genre with Frankenstein we can bring him back you know and Mel Brooks is just like oh, we've seen the cousin of Frankenstein we've seen this of Frankenstein we've seen that of Frankenstein like we don't need to see another Frankenstein and he goes but this is my approach and then basically Mel Brooks was like that's hilarious yeah. and then they and then they kind of were off to the races after that. I love that so I thought that was kind of cool too it was just it was just a simple thought that Gene Wilder had like what if it was the grandson of uh, Frankenstein? The that, reluctant, the reluctant, scientist. yeah, exactly. That you know refutes all of his family's uh, work and yada yada yada. And so, <laughs> I mean, I thought that was an interesting approach oh. to the overall story. You know, it's a it's a nice little for sure. Uh, you know, it parallels again, like you were saying, but it's um, it's not the same exact story. Obviously, say not the same exact character, but so. Do that and I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, and this is Gene Wilder's favorite film he's ever done. That's what he said, and I'm like, huh, interesting. I mean, it, don't it get makes me wrong, sense man. because this is his baby, you know. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the most Gene Wilder movies that I've seen, I mean, like Willy Wonka and shit like that. I mean, I didn't even really like Willy Wonka that much. So maybe just maybe I'm just not a huge yeah maybe. fan. He has a signature to a style, so maybe mm. if you don't like it, yeah, it's gonna be tough for me to get around it. Although I like see no evil, speak no evil. Yeah, it's good, which I thought was hilarious. But maybe cause, mainly because I really love Richard Pryor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it could just be it could just be my taste. So I don't know. But does it deserve to be one of the best movies ever made on like the top one hundred? Like, mm, I don't think so. I think it deserves to be in the best comedy. Like I can see, I can comedy. see, I can see it on a list in the comedy. I'm like, would it be on my top 100 best comedies? Probably because I don't got a lot, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun study in scene and character. Sure. If anything, I think that's what I really loved. That's what I really gleaned from this is uh-huh. like, how do you create very unique characters with very clear voices yeah. and quirks that are all different and how do and they all kind work of together and all work together symbiotically throughout a, throughout a film. And so I learned a lot from that perspective on this. Nice. So that's all I have. That's all I, I got too, man. It. I mean, it's worth seeing. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's worth seeing. I so love it. I highly recommend it. Go see uh, it. Jonesy just says, see it. Yeah, just go see it, man. He doesn't as highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, if it's on, go for it. But this isn't something like, I guess it's tough because a lot of the movies that we've seen so far, like, I will go out of my way to go watch. Uh-huh. Young Frankenstein no. isn't one of those movies that I'm like, I want to watch a comedy. I want to watch something really fun. Young Frankenstein. It's not one of those for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But it is you know, just like any good cinema. It is there. It's good. Yeah. It's shot well. It's, you know, those types of things. Um so it's worth watching. Nice. So if you haven't, go see it. Yeah. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So what's making it hard this week? Um, I so it's a new year, right? 2017. It we survived it. Barely. Finally, six 2016. By the skin of our teeth. <laughs> you know it's really funny, by the way. So um it'll be, you know, this will be released, you know, a week or whatever after the new year or whatnot. But, um, how apropos is it to take a bring in or end 2016 with that Mariah Carey <laughs> butchery, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, voice performance malfunction, oh, vocal God. track malfunction. 
it was so funny because we were watching that and I was just laughing so hard because <laughs> she's basically bringing in the ball dropping the last moments of 2016. And, Perfectly and encapsulate 2016. The entire 2016 just basically kicking us all in the nutsack the entire time. So I thought that was kind of funny. But what when it's the new year, everybody, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And majority of the time we say that. And then the next day, you know, nobody does so shit. The couch is comfortable. Everybody's hung over. It's so funny, too, though, because we end a year by getting fucked up beyond compare. And we start a year being hung over beyond compare. Yeah. So it's like. Well, how are you going to rein in the first day of this? Yeah, like, I went new to the gym you. on the first and nobody was there. Yeah. I was hungover. <laughs> They're like, well, wait until Monday. We'll yep. wait till Monday. Diet starts Monday. Starts Monday. I mean, I was that guy. Don't get me wrong. I was that guy too. But it's motivation, right? Motivation is tough to get through to the gym. And I just found this app called Gym Pact, which is kind of cool. Um, basically, what it is, is you. Um, you pledge how many days a week you're going to work out. So two days, three days, five days, whatever. Right. Um, so you have the app on when you go work out and it basically locks your time that you're there. I think you have to be there, uh, 30 minutes working out, doing the whatever. Um, and then after you're done, it basically counts. Right. So you can pledge, say for instance, if I miss a workout, take out $20 out of my bank account. Um, if I miss for every, every day that I don't go. So if I like, for me, I started three days. So if I don't make three days working out this week, it's going to take $50 out of my bank account. Holy crap. Right. So keeps you accountable. It really does. And that's what I really liked about this gym pact. Um, and the cool part is, is at the end of the week, they took, they take all the people that made their packs or didn't make their packs and all their pledges. So it could be $500. It could be $10,000. It depends on how many people are using it within that month. If they didn't make their pact, then they take that amount of money and then they divvy it out to everybody that, that did, it. did make wow, their pack. Okay. So, um, my buddy was using it and he made like 65 bucks last year just on going to the gym for just for showing up. You know, sometimes it's like 45 cents. Sometimes it's a buck. Sometimes it's free money, 10 cents or whatever. But every time you make your week, you basically you'll get something as a reward to keep going, which I thought was really fucking cool. So I'm starting that this week and I Very put cool. in I put in three days. Um, I start my working out tomorrow. And I thought it was, you know, it's a, it's a nice way to do, to have accountability. So if anybody's out there really struggling to get to the gym, I mean, nobody likes to pay for a gym membership and then pay extra yeah. on top of that. Um, the one thing that I did, which was I thought was kind of funny, is I have my my wife and I have like a uh, a bank account that really doesn't have too much money in there, um, but we didn't want to close it because we like this particular bank, whatever. But I have like I don't know just the bare minimum to keep it open at that bank. So I put the card on that. So if Ooh. I don't make my gym, you get penalized. There I get too. penalized there too. So wow. it's really going to force me to go. Um, but yeah, gym packed. It's a, it's on Android and app and nice. uh, iPhone and all that stuff. So I would urge you guys to try it out. If you guys have a really hard time actually working out. That's very cool. Yeah. Pretty neat. What about you, man? Uh, for me, I saw last night Kubo and the Two Strings. Dude, I just saw that last week. So good. Dude, that animation in that movie How? is like, phenomenal. Yeah. It's all stop motion. Yeah. I was like, it blew me away how good it was. The story was just 
magical. It was beautiful. And you know what's even fun, more fun for me and my wife is because we just got back from Japan a couple weeks ago. And it was it was like it was such a beautiful story. Yeah. And the, just the art direction and stuff. And just coming back from Japan, you know, we kind of you know, still a little Japanese, I suppose. And it was just it was beautiful, man. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, what was thought, it about the movie that you liked the most though? Um I always appreciate when animated films don't talk down to kids. Right. Because as I was watching this, I thought, wow, some of this is like really intense for an animated movie. Totally. And very. Yeah, the subject matter is very, yeah. very, um, I don't want to say dark, but it is. It's, and it, like the, the, the villains are it. very like scary. Yeah. For like I'm thinking like for kids, like it's intense. Like the sisters, like the sisters or whatever. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was creeped out by those Bro, things. Really quick though. Like how gangster was those fight scenes oh, with the, totally. and with it was monkey. all stop motion. Yeah. That's the craziest thing to me. But the water was pretty oh, cool. Yeah. It was all good. I just, so for me, I like it when they don't talk down where they're like, kids can handle this. It's mm. intense, but kids can handle this. <laughs> what did you think? I, it was really interesting because when I found out that like Matthew McConaughey was one of the voices uh-huh. and Sharice Theron was one of the She's voices. So, yeah. I was thinking of the, the mom too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of I was having a hard time wrapping my brain around. You just have to ignore the whitewashing of this story because even <laughs> yeah, the Kubo yeah. is white. Is a white kid. little kid. Yeah, a Kubo I can get away, okay with, but it was Matthew McConaughey has such like distinct a, voice. a distinct voice. It was really hard for me to get into that particular character, yeah. but. I really pushed myself to like not yeah. think about yep. him going, all right, you know, as much as I possibly yeah. could. And then it was, then it was pretty good. Yeah. But you could, you can, you just, you, you have can, to you just hear. shut that off. Yeah. But you can hear it so quick, totally. you know, but other than that, I really did enjoy it T. Yeah. I highly recommend it. This has been a really good year in animation. Yeah, I agree. So. Finding Dory, defining Dora, obviously the, per, the, um, Dory. No, what was the other one we saw? Finding so, Dory, Zootopia. Zootopia, that was it. Moana. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that one oh, yet. That's so good. Yeah, Little I think we're going to go tomorrow. Little Prince, that was the one I was going to say. Yeah. Little Prince. Yeah, I'm curious who's going to win best uh, animation. I, know. I this think it's going to be Moana. Usually it's Disney or Pixar. Who I takes really, it. I really hope, though, I hope it's, it's going to be. I, to be honest with you, I really hope that it's fucking Zootopia. Zootopia. Really? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was such a great little caper. Um, yeah, I thought it was good too. You know, I I don't know, and it's just so much social commentary. Yeah, but it kind of drops it at the end, though. I felt a little bit yeah, disappointed. Kinda rushed, kinda it was almost like, a two-hour movie. <laughs> well, I mean, they kind of dropped the whole racism element at the end, where it's like, all right, well, your solution doesn't really apply to people; <laughs> it <laughs> applies to animals. Yeah, well, which so we was, all are anyway. But it is true. <laughs> so, but um, but no, I thought that was that was definitely a good one. Uh, yeah. Other than that. I think we're we're good. We're in a, probably a couple weeks. You and I are going to have a special episode where we give out the very first annual UFR awards. Oh, where we're going to base that off of movies nice. that we have seen that came out in 2016. So, question to this: Is this like is this like the new movies that are coming out, or movies that we've seen from the podcast over the last year? Anything not podcasts. Anything that. That came out in the theaters in 2016. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Based All on right. what we've seen. We're going to be very specific about that. So someone's just so like, much what stuff. the fuck? Yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, we didn't see that. So yeah. it's based off of what we saw. And we'll both give our awards. We're coming up with the categories now. But okay. we'll both have our own. 
So one of them's animated. So you'll have the one you think is the best. I'll have the one that I think all is of the them. best. All of them. I like them all. So, um, yeah. So we'll probably release that one in a couple weeks, the end of January. Sweet. And so also we're going to be uh, starting our Patreon coming up this yep. month. Um, we're going to be doing T-shirts and all types of fun stuff. We got our uh, tubular... 80s podcast that we're going to be doing for you guys. So uh, just stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of little changes happening throughout the podcast. We got a, a new brand that we're going to be launching for the show in the, the next couple of weeks. Cool. Logos look, I'm really excited. Thank you, Sculptor. Yeah, Sculptor. Um, so yeah, just stay tuned with all that stuff. And you guys can obviously go to the website, uh, ufrpodcast.com. There's obviously Twitter, Twitter at Facebook, UFR Podcast, Instagram. Instagram. All. We're all there. So just, uh, just, just follow like, share, subscribe, do all those types of things, yep. man. It really helps us out. And we got some really fun shit coming out for you guys, I promise, in the next couple of weeks, man. So, Meanwhile, next week, The Bridge on the River Kwai. Ooh, I've never seen that movie. I have not either. The River Kwai? Yeah. Who did that? I don't know. Shit. The 70s. The 70s did that. <laughs> Far out, man. <laughs> all right. Until next time. We out. <laughs> Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.